<laughs> got us a new episode, episode 15, Gridiron Uncensored podcast. Uh, kicking in with the grid as usual with Blake, Trevor, and myself, Brendan. Uh, great weekend of college football, uh, unless you're a betting person or, uh, you know, do college pick them and you, you fail miserably and your friends make fun of you like myself. Uh, either way, it was a great weekend. You know, I, I loved watching it. It was a lot of great games. Even stayed up till what, 2 a.m. this morning, uh, you know, watching USC, um, you know, struggle bus against Arizona. Arizona should have won that game. We'll talk about it later. Uh, right now we're going to jump into top 25 like we usually do, you know, AP poll releases on Sunday, obviously. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, I know I've got gripes with it. I, I think the guys do too. We did release our own, as you all see. Uh, we, we've had some change-ups, uh, mainly myself uh, in the top. Things change. Like I said, it's fluid. But the regular AP poll, Oklahoma moving up. Obviously, they had a great win against Texas. Uh probably best win in the country right now. Uh, you got Louisville had a really good win against Notre Dame, who's starting to look not as good. Uh, but still, Louisville came out and put the smack down on them. Uh, the ones that are the most egregious to me staying in are Kentucky and Miami. Miami, yeah, they, they beat Texas A&M earlier. If they've done well. But then they had a massive blunder against friggin' Georgia Tech last night. I mean, I, I, if you guys didn't see it, 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 it was an atrocity unlike any other we've ever seen. Um, I mean, Miami fans, I'm sure, have seen it a couple times, but, you know, us other fans haven't. And we'll, we'll talk about that game later. Either way, that I don't see how they're still in. Kentucky got absolutely eviscerated by Georgia. How are they still in? Uh, I, I just don't get it. Gentlemen, what about you? I have the exact same feelings you got, and Miami should not be in the top 25 at all. It's It blows my mind after the performance last night. I know they should have won the game, but they should have won the game handily. It should not have came down to, to something happening, like the fumble with 44 seconds left. That's just that's insane, and how Trevor had brought up Notre Dame's coach should be fired because they lost that game to Ohio State. Mario Cristobal, my God, Miami fans have got to be screaming to Jesus to do something to this man. But outside of that, I mean, there's not really much to complain about. Kentucky, sure, they should maybe they should drop out because they got absolutely stomped by Georgia. Georgia flexed its muscles and showed they're the number one team in the country. Aside from those two, there, you can't really complain too much because 15, we was talking about it, 15 through 25, it's just who can you get to squeak in there and look good. We've all got somebody a little different, especially 20 through 25 at this point in the yeah. season. But everything else, you know, it just kind of is what it is. Yeah, I, I, like like you guys already said, it's going to be echoing pretty much the same thing. Kentucky and Miami shouldn't be in. Um, I'm really, really disappointed they stayed in and kept in a Wyoming team who has played well all season long, got snubbed and didn't get – when they beat a top 25 team, mm-hmm. hand, fair, fair, they handled Fresno State fairly well. And I think Wyoming, def, Wyoming definitely deserved to be in the top 25 this week. And Kentucky and Miami definitely did not, just 
pure off of their performance. I get Kentucky played the number one team in the nation, but they were a top 20 team, and they did not play like it. Yeah, Let's not also forget Wisconsin is sitting at 5-1. and one. Air Force is undefeated. Missouri lost a very close one to what most people consider a good LSU team. I think they're you know they're they're still good but not not top tier but those are other teams that are just as worthy you know even Notre Dame there's argument for Notre Dame to not be in there as well I know they they had a hard stretch but a performance like they had I mean if you're trying to be a national uh, championship program you can't have performances like that you have to win those tough stretches and Saying Ohio State, Duke, and Louisville is a super, you know, crazy stretch. I don't know that that's, you know, you know what I mean? I don't know that that is the yeah. hardest stretch in college football. Those are all good teams. Look, but... I, could probably, I could probably pick a few schedules right now that are, have a, there's a few teams out there that are going to have a tougher gauntlet than what Notre Dame is going to have to go through. Right. It's, I mean, Look, I mean, they I, wanted to be they wanted to be half in, half out on the ACC, and then they're like, "Oh, well, the ACC is so tough." No, it's not. ACC is not tough. They have good teams, and this is the part. This is the this is my thing about being in the conference. This is why conference champions get preferential treatment when it comes to rankings, because they go through the gauntlet of a very good conference. And they still come out on top playing the best team, the other best team in that conference. Notre Dame won't have that. And as far as I'm concerned, they are definitely out of the playoff at this point. Because the way they're playing, I don't think they'll beat USC. Yeah. Ah, man, that, that one, that's next week. Uh, and it, it's it's one I don't, I don't trust either of them. And you go back to Notre Dame, Ohio State. That game's not looking as big as it as it did for Ohio State. I uh, even though you know Ohio State was really gifted that win. Uh, yeah, they they still finished out. They did what they needed to do. They got the dub, but Notre Dame you know screwed that one up. But then Duke, that was another one that was like we said it was the inverse. Duke gave that game to Notre Dame. Notre Dame should have lost that game. Uh, and then you know they lost to Louisville, obviously. So this Notre Dame team, I don't know. I don't know about them anymore. I, at first, I thought they were, you know, pretty solid. But now, looking at them, uh, they couldn't get any running game going uh, against Louisville, and, and that's shocking because everybody's touting, uh, you know, Estime as as one of the best, you know, running backs in the country. He couldn't get shit going. He the offensive line couldn't do anything. So I don't. I don't know. That, that's that's a funky team, Notre Dame. Um, but yeah, the USC one that that's going to be weird. And I will say about the conference uh, talk for Notre Dame, I've seen a lot of their fans on Twitter complaining about, well, we have such a hard stretch and, you know, we, we're out of conference. So we, we have to play, you know, all these tough teams and like then get in a conference and get a little more balanced schedule. You know, everybody's going to go through stretches. I mean, there was times when, you know, teams like Michigan uh, a couple years ago, obviously not this year last, the schedules have been weaker, but, it went Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Ohio State, you know, all you know, back to back it seemed, and, and maybe an Indiana in between. It's still a tough ass stretch. But when you're talking about Notre Dame, 
they were complaining, oh, well, we had to play USC. We had to play Louisville. We had to play Duke. We had... That's your own dang fault, man. Get into the conference. Get a little more balanced schedule because the conference is going to do that for you. And, sh- and shut up about it. I, I don't want to hear any complaints from Notre Dame or their fan base, to be honest. Uh, I, I don't know. They, they just frustrate me with that talk. One, one more thing about that, the strength of schedule thing that these Notre Dame fans want to bring up. And just, just to put it in perspective, Notre Dame fans, just we'll just go for Michigan, for example. Okay, so their front end, front end of their schedule is fairly soft. I think everybody would tend to agree that it's a fairly soft front-end schedule altogether. But their last three games to get to the Big Ten Championship will be Penn State, will be Maryland, and then will be Ohio State. The three best teams that are in the Big Ten right now, as far as I'm concerned, the way it sits. I don't think Iowa's got what it takes. I think Maryland's a very good team, even though they didn't show it in the second half against Ohio State. They showed it in the first half and then just fell off the face of the planet. But, I mean, I'm not defending Michigan's schedule because it is a kind of a, a soft schedule leading up to those three games. But those three games will define the Michigan Wolverine season. Yeah. So every game matters. And when you're playing against top 25 teams and you can't, you can't seem to handle a 25 team when you're supposed to be this – about to be a playoff contender, I'm sorry, like no sympathy whatsoever on the, from from me at least. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, other teams that we need to discuss real quick on top 25, uh, Washington State. Really, uh, I, I'm I'm shocked at that one. Uh, they dropped out again. Miami dropped uh, big drops there, and then uh, Missouri dropped out. I don't think they should. Blake mentioned it. I think LSU's defense or offense is going to run with anybody in the country, uh, except for Florida State early on. But they they just looked like they got they were just done at the second half. And then uh, obviously that defense is not very good for for LSU. But I think Mizzou's still a good team. I, I I'd, I'd rather them be in over Kentucky, who's actually you know done something, but. Either way, well, we're, we're going to start driving on, getting into some of these games so you guys can uh, hear our takes on them. Uh, starting off, it was in the noon slate. Uh, we had number 12, Oklahoma, number three, Texas. It was a really great game back and forth. And this was – the noon slot was tough to, to stay on because the LSU-Missouri game was really good. That one kept going back and forth. The Texas game was really good. And then early on, the – the Maryland Ohio state game was one. So I'm like flipping between these channels trying to watch. And so that that was a fun window, but this, this game came down to turnovers. Uh, Really Quinn Ewers had a great game. I know he had the turnovers somewhere or his fault, Uh, but he's still, I mean, 350 yards passing, I believe. I mean, he's still six incompletions. Uh, Yeah. Two were picks, but still he had a good game. Uh, the fumble the defense is, is really the big story for Oklahoma. They came up strong and obviously Dylan Gabriel, we're, we're going to talk about him later uh, in the game or in the podcast as well. I mean, what a game from him. Yeah. Dylan Gabriel played with a poise and you could just tell that there was nothing that was going to not deny him getting that W on Saturday. He, he played with a chip on his shoulder and he just he wasn't gonna let anybody take anything away from him. 
played lots out. 113 rushing yards, 285 passing. It's hard to beat somebody like that when you've got a quarterback that can get that kind of yardage on the ground, keep the chains moving. They had good clock management, scored when they needed to. The defense stood tall when it needed to. And you know, Texas handed them some turnovers on a flyer, and it was lots out. Yeah, there's not there's there's not a ton that I could say to add to this other than the fact that the hats off goes to OU, <clears throat> excuse me, OU, and um, Texas just um, missed some opportunities to score that I think they could they could have put them over the top to handle this game, but OU came out and punched them in the mouth real quick. And it was a it was a dogfight all the way through the rest of the game. It was a really really good Red River rivalry game this year. Um, I, I was very impressed with both teams, but uh, Oklahoma definitely earned it this to, this weekend for sure. Yeah, and this is one too. I, I think we're going to see this game again in the Big Twelve Championship game. When you look at schedule, the the Big Twelve we've mentioned this too, especially for realignment, once Texas and Oklahoma leave, they don't have a really flagship group at the top uh, like the SEC and the Big Ten do, um, even right now the Pac-12. And you look at you look at the teams that are remaining, like Kansas, UCF, uh, Oklahoma State, all these teams are kind of – they're just in the middle, and it's just going to be a slop fest for the Big 12. I think it's going to be a good mid-range uh, you know, but I don't really see a, a top tier team right now. And there's some that can can grow into that down the line. But right now, Oklahoma's remaining schedule is UCF, number 22 Kansas or number 23 Kansas right now. They're ranked Oklahoma State, West Virginia, BYU, TCU. I don't really see them losing to any of those. But again, we never know with the Big 12. These teams can drop a game. Uh, Texas is another one. They play Houston, BYU, Kansas State, who just – lost to a not a good Oklahoma State team, uh, TCU, Iowa State, and then Texas Tech. So I, neither of these teams should really lose. They, they shouldn't meet up again in the Big 12 title game. Uh, so we'll see. And if, if it does, it's going to be a really good one. And Texas probably should have won this game. I still give props to Oklahoma for finding a way to win. They did force the turnovers. They did get after them, too, with uh, – five sacks and 10 tackles for loss. So that defense made things happen. Uh, and penalties also on Texas was a problem. Final on that one was 34 to 30 uh, Oklahoma with the win. Uh, next up we have Kentucky and <laughs> number one, Georgia, this game, I swear, man, that this wasn't even, I, I think I watched for 10 minutes. And I was like, okay, that's it. It's done. It, it, it's just not, they weren't even in the same league. They shouldn't have. They probably shouldn't have even been ranked in the first place, based on who Kentucky had played. Uh, yeah, they had a good game, a run game against Florida, but like we mentioned, you can't do that against Georgia with an incompetent passing attack. And it happened again this game. Ten of twenty-six passing. That's that's just not going to one hundred twenty-eight yards. That's not going to do it. They have fifty-five yards on the ground. Kentucky did. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's a good win for Georgia. They blew them out. That they did everything they needed to, not taking anything away from from Georgia. I just I think Kentucky is overrated. I think they got respect 
for really no reason. Uh, that ground game was great against Florida, but outside of that, I had no faith in them beating any you know any team with their passing attack. I agree wholeheartedly. But Georgia, they come out. They was on a mission to show everybody they are the number one team. Because a lot of stuff on Twitter and social media last week was, should Georgia be at number one? Are they the number one team? And I think that got to them. You know those players saw that stuff. And they they rallied yeah. around that. They come out and held Kentucky to 55 yards on the ground. Devin Leary never had a chance at throwing. He's, he's been at not even average all season. He's been awful. I don't know what was such a big drop off from yeah from NC State to Kentucky. I feel like he has better athletes around him at Kentucky. I don't know what the problem is, but either way, Georgia contained him. There was never a chance for Kentucky in this game. And Georgia, they showed why they're the number one team. Yeah, they definitely used Kentucky up and down the field for sure to prove a point to the rest of the country that it don't matter what rank team you are. They're gonna if they think that they they are being considered uh, looked down upon in any way. They're gonna put the pedal to the metal and show them show everybody why why they're the number one team and why they are the defending champions. That Kentucky just didn't have a chance. I I'm surprised if anyone did pick Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was happening, man. There there was a lot of belief on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, I know it's Twitter's in a in a vacuum, uh, some would say, but there's still a lot of people believe that. So I, I don't know. Carson Beck had a really good game. Uh, the the run game for Georgia was pretty, uh, you know, dispersed. They did have his 173 on the ground, uh, but multiple people with you know nine carries, eight carries, and then it was kind of uh, spread out between there. Uh, Brock Bowers again, a great game. I mean. Is anybody going to – I don't think he's really defendable, <laughs> but at least somebody try, for God's sake, you know. Uh, I just – I don't know. Like, with this game, it was it, – I, I go one of two ways with this. One, it's UGA definitely imposing their will and showing that they're the number one team. Is it just that Kentucky's just that bad? And they had one great week with a great running attack. Fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Their running back earned every yard last week. Mm -hmm. This week, they clearly got exposed for what they are, which is a fraud on the top 25, and they don't belong there right now. And I think it's more of that than the other, where I do Mm -hmm. think Georgia's a good team, but I still think they're suspect with the top teams of the country, in the country. If they were going to head to head, I think they are still there are still some holes in Georgia. It's just Kentucky's not good enough to find them. Yeah, I, I agree with you too. It's again, it's we got to see who these teams are playing, and I, I don't like I don't think Auburn's good. I don't think Kentucky's a top twenty five team. I'm shocked that they're still ranked. I know we've said that we're beating the dead horse here. Georgia's good. They are very good. I do think that they can be stopped. Obviously, Auburn in a horrible Peyton Thorne took it to them a little bit. So we'll see as as they get a little bit further on. But Georgia's schedule is pretty soft the rest of the way. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with Georgia. But yeah, they're they're going to stay in the top rankings for a while unless they they find a way to slip up. Uh, but I don't see that happening. Uh, another one that <laughs> this game. 
really just blew me out, blew me away early was the Maryland Ohio State game. Uh, oh yeah, Georgia won fifty one thirteen. I forgot to mention the score. Uh, Maryland number four Ohio State final was thirty seven to seventeen OSU. First half, this this was Maryland's ball game. Maryland was dominating, and they should have continued that. They had a very poor clock management at the end of the first half that they allowed Ohio State to get right back in the game. And they they didn't call timeouts. They didn't kick a field goal. Uh, Maryland uh, is who I'm speaking about. And uh, they threw the ball. They were, they were down in the red zone. They threw the ball right into the middle of the field and just let time expire like it was nothing. Like they, they didn't realize. Like I, I don't know. That's on coaching. I like Mike Loxley. I think he does a good job. But that was that was a blunder, and then on the the back half, uh, Tulia uh, he he threw two really bad picks, and and that that was it. I mean I don't know who he was throwing to. I know he was under pressure, but he's a he's a senior veteran. I mean he should know better than to throw it the way he did. So I don't know that that was the game that was funky to me. Uh, Ohio State only had sixty yards on the ground. They couldn't run it all game. McCord had a fine game, especially in the second half. Uh, Marvin Harrison really helped out on there. So I don't know. That, that, that's a game that I, I was expecting Maryland uh, after that first half showing to actually, you know, come out maybe with a win there. Yeah, Maryland did a lot like a lot of these teams are doing. The Arizonas, the Syracuses, they, they're doing everything they should be doing. And then they just kind of stumble and go away from everything that was working. You know, <clears throat> He had the turnovers. Marvin Harrison Jr. got going. That man is elite. He he is a he's a damn good receiver. And then the tight end, uh, I lost his name. I had wrote it down. Uh, Stover. Stover. Yeah, Stover. He was making some big plays in that game. And Maryland just they laid down, and Ohio State got back in it. They lost the momentum, and that was it. it was all she wrote. But. That goes back to what I was saying about like Arizona with the USC and like Colorado State with Colorado earlier in the season. These teams are they're dominating statistically, and then they just they hand the game over with turnovers and stupid play calling, poor clock management, and and it shows how important that the little details of the game truly are because that will cost you a game. And these were upsets that should have happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, where to start with Maryland? Holy God. Um, <laughs> what the hell is going on with these teams this year? Like, seriously. <laughs> like, they start out great. What's what's this first half bullshit? What, what, like, seriously. Like, these teams are like, oh, we're going to do an upset. We're going to get this team. We're going to play great in the first half and not do shit in the second half because that makes total sense. I'm sorry. I'm cussing a lot because it's frustrating. I really wanted to see Ohio State lose. <laughs> I love how dramatic you are. I love it. The what? whole It's like the world's ending. You're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> with these teams this uh, year? It's not just – it's look – this reaction is literally – it has not – it's not so much to do with Maryland. It's most to do with Maryland-type teams. 
that play good, start out playing great. Like, seriously, everything that you need to be doing, you're doing. And then somehow you get amnesia and you come out for the second half and then you're just like, Olay and let them walk right by you. Like, and give them yeah. the game. I don't understand how you cannot be at this level of college football and not come out in the second half with the same intensity as you come out in the first half. Especially when you are handling an Ohio State team that's a top five team. How do you not get pumped up for that? And like, I, I just don't understand it. Ohio State stuck. But I will say, Kyle McCord in the Ohio State offense, outside of Marvin Harrison Jr. and the other wide receiver, I forget his name, Ubuka, I think his name is. Yeah. Outside of those two guys, that offense is suspect. I think they are suspect. I do not think Kyle McCord is as good as people think he is. I, yeah. I really think when they run into real competition, I think their biggest test – their big test outside of Michigan will be the oh, first, Penn State. Will be Purdue next week, and then Penn State right after that. Mm-hmm. So I think they're about to come. They're going to walk through their gauntlet. They're going to start their gauntlet probably next week because Purdue usually always plays them pretty tough. Usually, um, but yeah, I was very disappointed in Maryland. I was really hoping that they would be able to carry over that, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what their quarterback was doing, being a senior as he is, and just he just didn't have his head on right. I don't think for that second half. Yeah, they they just they gave up a lot of points in the first. Uh, there, I think they were in uh, the red zone or within that striking distance, thirty yard range of Ohio State's four or five times in the first half, and they only came away with ten points. Uh, that's just that's embarrassing. And uh, I'll say the second half thing for a lot of these teams, it's it's a coaching thing in, in my opinion they're they see that they're leading against a, a good team somebody that's you know ranked and they, they get in this turtle mode of okay i can't screw it up now don't play aggressive don't you know we're gonna keep it in front of us but every they do it every single time and what happens i know the team comes marching back they get right back in it and they I, win and i'll tell you what man that don't make no sense go ahead come on blake come on into the conversation we'll just i was just, talk, I was just gonna point out <laughs> The best example I can give of why you do not let off the gas is go back to Purdue, Ohio State, when they straight walked their ass. Where is that, 2020, mm-hmm. 2021, when they had Rondell yeah, they, Moore? They beat yes. the dog on That is why you never take your foot off the gas because I think Purdue only ended up winning like three or four games that season too. But – they got ahead, they found what was working, and they never went away from it. But what you said was 100% right. These teams, they get up, and then they get scared, and then they stop doing – they get real conservative because they're afraid of making mistakes and errors, whatever. You know, Arizona, they never let off the gas. Their their biggest flaw in that game, you know, was they kept going to the same reliable play, which ended up costing them ultimately mm-hmm. – um, I don't think we have them on our list or not, but if we do talk about them, no. you know, we'll bring that up. But you know, if you, if you got something going and yeah. it's good, don't don't fix it. Keep doing it. Yeah. So I I don't know. It, it's just one of those we we've seen it happen. It t- happens t- 
time and time again, and it's happened multiple times to, to teams this year. Stop playing turtle. Stop going prevent defense. Continue pressuring, man, especially with these young quarterbacks or these, these quarterbacks that obviously they have trouble with pressure. I, I, I know we can find advanced stats. I know these coaches have to see stats. Where these coaches these... are better at doing these stats than I. I know, I know we are. I know. And if they aren't, man, give me a job. Let's go. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like for real. And Blake, to 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 go off of what you said about the tight end for Ohio State, that dude is going to be uh, probably the second best uh, tight end in the draft. Because I'm pretty sure he's a draft eligible this year. And he's making a real good case to be in the number two to Bowers. Yeah, he's a good pass catcher, but I, I think he's a really good blocker too from what I watch of him. He's he's made some really good blocks. and uh, He is a balanced tight end yeah. for sure. He's going to be a problem for a lot of teams. Yeah, I, I like Stover. I think he's a, he's a good player. Um, positive thing to say about your rival. There you go. So. Uh, oh, and obviously Marvin Harrison's a, a monster. Uh, let's stop talking about Ohio State because I'm starting to get sick. Um, so we're going to move on <laughs> to uh, another team that makes me sick. Number 10, Notre Dame. And number 25, Louisville. Louisville came away 33-20 in this one. Uh, I, honestly, this was, this was Louisville's game all the way. They, they killed it on defense. Um Notre Dame had no ground game. They were 1.6 yards per carry on 44 total yards on the ground. Uh, they had five turnovers on offense. Hartman had a, a very rough outing. And, uh, you know, this, this is something we've said. We like Sam Hartman. I, I, I feel like he's bottled up in this offense. And, and Trevor and I kind of meant talking about it earlier. Um, yeah, so either way, Trevor and I, we were talking about it and, and Blake as well that – I know Blake and I like Hartman more than Trevor does, but I, I just feel like this offense just, I don't know, it's just not built for, for him. He he did so well at Wake Forest, and we came in, we were expecting, you know, him having better athletes around him at, at you know, Notre Dame. But I don't think he's got, you know, a lot of help in the pass-catching department outside of um, Mitchell Evans. I, I really, I don't think he's got the help he needs, and I don't think they scheme it. Uh, the way that he needs to. So, I don't know. I, I feel bad for him a little bit, but he decided to go there. So, I don't know. Notre, Notre Dame's going on this fraudulent tour right now. The story of this game is how Notre Dame, how many third and shorts can you not get? It's like they were trying to break a record for somebody who could not get a third and one. I swear it was like five or six times that he was third and short, third and one, third and two, third and inches, and then just absolutely stuffed. The Louisville defensive line, 100% props to those guys. The pass rush was elite. They were stuffed in the middle. There was nothing anybody could do. They could not get a run game going. Sam Hartman has zero help outside. There's the receivers. I don't know if they just can't get open, if they're not capable, or is Louisville just that good. But it seems they've been struggling with that all season. He's like I've said about several other teams. They just don't have that receiver that allows them to stretch the field. And when you don't have that, it makes it difficult to get a run game going because the safeties can play up. They can fill the box. 
and it just makes it difficult for an offense. It limits you, and it makes it very easy to make you one-dimensional. Louisville started pulling away. They had to resort to passing the ball. They never had an opportunity to get a run game going, and Louisville just had a good game plan for that, and it, it worked out, and Notre Dame was exposed. 100%. 100% correct. Notre Dame is officially exposed. And Louisville's not even the best team on their calendar. I mean, I give all the props to Louisville, but the real, in my opinion, the story is how bad the offensive line played for Notre Dame this entire game. I think there was a few instances uh, one fourth down comes to mind specifically where Sam Hartman, I think I counted to a 1-1002, and he had a defense defender in his face on a fourth down pass play. I think it was like a fourth and seven, I believe they went for it. I mean, most quarterbacks aren't getting it out in a 1-1002-1000, and they're already having defenders in their face. But Blake said it. it Louisville was... Louisville's defensive line was playing outside their mind great football. And all the props go to Louisville's coaching staff for having a really good game plan, I think. Um, they got me the win on my picks, which I appreciate making me look <laughs> real smart. <laughs> um, but Sam Hartman, again, like, there was the very, his first interception this game was probably the worst pass he's put thrown all year, and he was not under pressure at all. It was a pure passing mistake. And all people have said all year, oh, he's such a pure passer. He's so accurate. The dude couldn't – dude seriously threw it to the defender that was defending the wide receiver on a streak route. It was terrible throw. It was 100% his fault, and it was downhill for there, from there as far as his passing – passing accuracy and the whole game was thrown off at that point. Yeah. Yeah. For, uh, for Notre Dame too. I, I, like I said, I still like Harmon. I, he's obviously had stretches of no picks. He's done really well. And then, yeah, you, he, he had that horrible interception. Uh, he had three interceptions here. He had two, two fumbles. Uh, so just really rough outing from him, but again, support cast too. And honestly, the coaching staff, um, Freeman, I, I mean, they lost to Marshall last year. They're, they were supposed to be, you know, a contender this year. They started off strong with a, you know, with, with the good, uh, good wins and, uh, close, they should have, should have beat Ohio State, you know, all this stuff, other stuff. But he just can't, he can't find a way in these games. Uh, and honestly, this Louisville game, it, they should have, they probably should have beat the hell out of them. I tell you what, this is a notch, another notch, making me look real good about calling for the firing of the Notre Dame coaching staff. Because yeah. I tell you what, they don't know how to use their own quarterback and yeah. use his talents to their benefit. Yeah, send send them away already. I'm done with them. Uh, let, let's get moving on. Uh, another another game, Bama Texas A&M, uh, twenty six to twenty was the final here, and uh, this was a game, and we mentioned it in our uh in our previews was how is the back end of the the Texas A&M defense going to hold up and are they going to pressure uh Milrow and, and that's what it's going to come down to is the Bama defense and the Texas A&M back half of their defense 
because their front half, they were, they were doing good. They were getting pressures. They were getting sacks. I mean, we knew they were going to get after them, and they did. But there was a lot of times that they sat back in coverage, and then Milrow was able to p- pick them apart. He's a fine passer, when, especially when he gets to stand there in the pocket and just have all day. I, I don't see anything wrong with him there. It, but it's when these teams, again, blitz this dude all day long, and you're going to get picks. You're going to get you know errant throws. You're gonna, it's going to happen. Uh, and obviously the, the Bama Alliance having some struggles with, with keeping him clean or you know keeping him from being pressured. But I give props to, to Milrow. I do. Uh, he, he hit the targets when he needed to. Um, he escaped some of the pressures. He still got – he did get sacked six times. Uh, they had eight tackles for loss. But uh, he had a lot of help from Burton. And Burton tore this game to pieces, man. It, it, was, it was his show and his world and everybody else was just living in it. And uh, it, it, was, it was a great game from him. Uh, he was one of our – you know, people for uh, the kicking up a notch players of the week. Uh, we went, we went with somebody else, but he was up there. I mean, th- this guy had a wonderful game. Uh, Blake, I'll, I'll let you talk more on this this matchup. There really isn't too much to say. Milrow, he made tremendous strides. Finally, you know, I'm not saying he's a national championship quarterback yet, but. There was several instances where he went through his progressions, went through his second, third receiver, used his check down. It, it was it was much better. I was breathing a little bit better in this game, even though my heart rate was 140 most of the game. They did get a lot of pressure on him at times. They brought some a lot of heavy blitzes. And our offensive line, as far as blocking, did fairly well. Our main issue seems to be at left tackle with uh, Kalen Proctor. He he does let people get outside a lot, and he struggles at making that that adjustment and pushing them out and around the quarterback. But aside from him, we had one or two bad snaps, so they they've worked on that a lot and cleaned that up. But the penalties, fourteen penalties, nine pre-snap penalties, the pre-snap penalties, they're at the end. Uh, two of them were questionable, but nonetheless got called. So. Our offensive line still has a lot of cleaning up to do. We've got to get better with the pre-snaps, with the false starts, the the motions, I mean, snap infractions. I mean, come on. We're at week six. That stuff should not be happening, especially with a seasoned offensive line like we have. But Milrow, I give him credit. I, I'm proud of the improvements he made this week. He was a whole lot more accurate with the football. He did still miss a couple that were open that would have sustained some drives, but I can't complain because he, he's making the improvements. He's moving in the right direction. So I got to give him the credit for it. Texas A&M, Max Johnson, I still think he played a fairly good game. Our defense was swarming to him. And mm-hmm. I mean, he took an ass whooping majority of the day. He got hit several times by the big guys, but, Bama's defense, they showed they're, they are rock solid. They are really good. They swarmed the football. We did lose Malachi Moore in the game. I have not seen an update on his injury. I know it was to his lower body. I, it looked like his ankle. So hopefully he'll be okay and he'll get to come back. Because without him, we still got Caleb Downs and uh, Jalen Key, who they're very solid players. But Malachi Moore is the leader of that defense. 
And, you know, we really need him, especially once we get into the heart of the SEC schedule. But I really like the direction Alabama's moving. I think we're a lot better and a lot different of a team than we were when we played Texas. You know, that's like I told y'all earlier today. I think if Bama played Texas again, and I can say this about a lot of teams this year, what team you get on the field determines who you would pick in that game. You know, if the Bama that played against Ole Miss played Texas, I take Bama any day of the week. But if you get the Bama that played Texas, you know, obviously, no. So it's like that for a lot of teams this year. They're playing really good one week, really bad the next week. But I, I hope Bama keeps working and cleaning up these penalties. And I think we can make it back to the playoffs. But we've got to clean up the penalties. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to add to this. I it, And Bama's at a point now after after watching a few games, uh, I'm not going to bet against them. And uh, they're starting to make improvements, which is good. Um, But watching a little bit of that game, I I happened to turn it on when they went through that stretch of like five straight pre-snap penalties or something crazy like that in a row. I'm like, what is happening? Like there was there was one uh, it was a snap infraction I didn't even notice it. even on the replay it was so hard to tell what the snap infraction was it was just such a massive reaction from the de- defensive player that I wasn't even sure if it was even the center's fault it just happened to be the way he was holding it but whatever it is what it is it got called and you can't really have that stuff reviewed but Blake said it the penalties. Like, that's got to get cleaned up, especially the false starts and n- not having your head in it. Like, I think it was the left ta- the left tackle that had, like, three false starts within, like, a three-minute period uh, or something along those lines. I That is very – I mean, I guess not unusual. But normally Nick Sanders teams are fairly disciplined when it comes to that stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's odds and ends, and different players react differently, but normally Nick Saban at least has that locked down, so it's not a problem come to game time. So it was kind of surprising to see that happen. Yeah, it's kind of been uh, – last two years they, they've had a lot of penalty issues, and uh, you feel like they'd be cleaned up by now, but I, I don't know, it just keeps happening. Uh, I, I will say, too, Bama took a page out of the Miami playbook this year. Uh, Texas A&M is strong at, at stopping the run. Bama only had 23 ground yards. I mean, that that's really abysmal for, for Alabama. You, you expect a lot more. Uh, but they just went out and, and they aired it out. You know why? Because the Texas A&M defensive backs are horrible. And uh, – and Miami exposed them, and we just saw what Miami, you know. So uh, I, that's great, great scouting on the Bama coaching staff. They did exactly what they needed to do, and they picked them apart where they were weakest, and that that's good coaching. Yeah, I was I was going to just hit on that as well, uh, the rushing attack. I've seen a lot of Bama fans complaining about that, but I don't believe it was the game plan. I think the game plan mm-hmm. was just do – just enough to keep A&M honest, which we did, and then the threat of Milrow breaking loose with that 4-3 mm-hmm. speed, that was all we really needed. We had him in man-to-man most of the game, and Jermaine Burton 
you know, like you said, he it was his game, his world, and yeah. nobody could stop him. And then when they started double covering him, that left room for Isaiah Bond and Jalen yeah. Hale, other people to get open. And yeah, I, I think that was the game plan the whole time. I don't believe we ever planned on coming in there and trying to run it down their throat because their front five or front four was top five in the NCAA, I mm-hmm. noticed. They said they were like number one in sacks, number two and number three in several different categories on the defensive front. Yeah, so I don't believe we ever had the plans of coming in there and doing that. Yeah, and and that's great coaching, great scouting. That's what that's why you know Saban and his staff is is paid to do, uh, and they did it. So prop, props to Bama. I do think, uh, I mean, they, they've got everything in front of them here. Uh, the toughest test remaining on the schedule is LSU because their offense can can run with anybody. I think uh, Tennessee. I don't see it. I, I still I don't trust Milton. Um, I, I don't see really any other test on, on the schedule that can hand, hang with Bama's defense because Bama's defense is just that good. Well, until we clean up the penalties, we are always going to have that risk of getting beat by anybody. Because that's true, we're getting like a hundred to one hundred fifty yards in penalty, which is insane. So as long as we continue that, anybody has a shot at taking down Bama. Yeah, very true. Um, it's something to watch, and, and they really need to clean it up. Moving on from uh, from Bama, SEC, we're going to head back out west. We got number 13, Wazoo, at UCLA. Uh, shocking game for me. I, I really thought Washington State was going to walk away with this one. Uh, but alas, they did not. Uh, UCLA's defense proved themselves to me a little bit more. Uh I mean, Cam Ward, I, I had him, you know, in the Heisman race. I, I Obviously, he can't do it all himself. He's tried. He's done everything he can. But they, they only had 12 rushing yards. Uh, UC, uh, Washington State did. They had 40 passes, but they only completed 20 of them. He had two picks, a fumble. And so credit UCLA's defense on this one. Uh, they played really well. Dante Moore, uh, freshman, he didn't have a horrible game. It wasn't great. Uh, but again, he's a freshman. He's doing what he—he's going to do what he does as a freshman. He's got a lot of learning to do. Uh, still, almost threw for 300 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Um, I, credit to credit to UCLA. I, I feel like they should have beat Utah. But again, Utah's defense is really good too. So I, I don't know. Pac-12 is just going to eat themselves alive here. I, I thought Washington State might have a really good chance to go. Uh, I think that's done for now. Yeah, I was super disappointed in Cam Ward. And it wasn't all his fault because his offensive line was not giving him any help most of that game. They was in his face. Receivers could not make catches. It, it just they looked really off Saturday. But looking at just looking at some of their stats, two of thirteen on third down, twenty of forty passing, two fumbles, two interceptions. You can't win a game on the road with it with stats like that. So super disappointed in Cam Ward. I hope he rebounds because I really like the guy. He is a great quarterback, but he's got to have some help from his offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Cam Ward can't do it by himself. I mean, it's just that's just the way it is. I mean, Cam Ward has been doing it by himself, and they've been getting by with his legs and his arm and him being able to extend plays a bit, but um, the – better teams are going to be able to scheme a defense around him 
and make him stay in the pocket, make him pick, try and pick them apart. Um, and credit to UCLA and good old Chip Kelly, because I'll tell you what, that freshman quarterback, while his stats aren't the greatest, 290 yards on 22 completions is pretty good for a freshman quarterback against the Washington team, Washington State team. Sorry, Washington Wazoo defense that's been playing very good this year. Um, and another thing is that this Wazoo defense gave up 140 yards on the on the ground to Carson Steele, the UCLA running back. I mean that. I mean it's 4.7 yards a carry. That's that's a great game for a running back against the defense that's had as good a season as Wazoo had. Uh, another stat is that. The UCLA had one, two, three, four, five, six wide receivers with multi-catch games. That they're spreading the ball out. I mean, they were they were doing Chip Kelly things right there. Mm-hmm. That's the staple of Chip Kelly is that there's no one wide receiver that is the primary target. Everyone is involved in these games. Yeah, they they did exactly what they needed to. I, I was going to mention the steal as well. Like you said, I mean, what a game from him. Yeah, he had 30 carries, but still 140 yards is really good. Uh, I, I wanted to mention, I forgot to bring it up earlier during, during the Louisville conversation, uh, somebody I think that needs to be mentioned, was um, uh, Jawar Jordan. He, he had a great game for them, 21 carries, 143 yards, and two touchdowns. Absolutely killed Notre Dame. Uh, that makes me happy to mention one more time. I know we're away from there. Let's get back out of the Notre Dame, back into UCLA. And, uh, yeah, they're good for them. They, they've 4-1 in the conference. They're, they, like you said, the Pac-12 is just – they're going to cannibalize themselves. And it's the same way that the Big 12 is, too. Outside of, uh, I think, Oklahoma and Texas, who both have, to me, proven their you know, heads are way better than everybody else in their league. Uh Pac-12, I just – I don't know, man. I really don't know about them. I, I think they're going to eat themselves alive. And uh, really their saving grace is going to be Oregon or, or Washington because I, I don't think UCA, USC is going to make it out of there with their well, defense. We will find so. out Saturday <laughs> who the king of the Pac-12 is. Yeah. Yeah, we got a good one. We got a good one coming up this Saturday, Washington uh, and Oregon. That, that's going to be a real good one. I, I can't wait. Can't wait to watch that game. Um, moving on, the, a game that was one I thought it was going to be a little bit closer. Obviously, I, I picked Syracuse to win this game. I was wrong, um, and it makes me question Clemson a little bit more. Uh, another reason why I dropped Florida State in my rankings to number two um, from what one I had where I had them last week. Uh, Syracuse just came out and they got manhandled by North Carolina. A team that I I really wasn't respecting at all is North Carolina. Uh, I don't know if it's the Tez Walker coming in, and you know he's he he only had six receptions for forty three yards, but if that's helping open up some passing room for Drake May, you know to get to hit his other guys, I mean who knows? This this uh, North Carolina team might make some pro- some uh, problems in the ACC for people. Uh, yeah, I, what what can you say? Syracuse got they got manhandled. Uh, Drake May came out 442 yards, three passing touchdowns. I mean that. I mean that's just a monstrous game right there. Uh, I I don't know defense. They 
They did good. They they did what they needed to do. They locked them down. I, I got nothing else to say about this one. Syracuse, you disappoint me greatly. I mean, I really don't have much to say on it either. North Carolina, I think they'll start getting some recognition now just at this point in the season as these other teams ahead of them start playing each other and losing. And, you know, I don't see anybody really that's going to take down North Carolina on their side of the conference. You know, they're they're undefeated right now, and but they've got Pez Walker back. Or, well, instituted where he can play now. But just having him on the field in general, it creates mismatches for other receivers. And it happened Saturday. I've seen a replay of one where the defense was so focused in on him, it just left other guys wide open. He hit like a 52-yard bomb on a deep post. So this is going to help Drake May out a lot. Maybe he'll get out of his pedestrianism and Trevor will maybe start kind of sort of locking the guy a little bit. No, no, no love at all for, for Mr. No, nah, not, not too much love for Drake May. One, because of Syracuse. Um, uh, so he did what he should have done. Mr. I want to be a Heisman quarterback, but haven't performed as such the entire year, except for uh, against a Syracuse team that's pedestrian. <laughs> Just just let me chime in real quick, Trevor. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, this pedestrian thing's an inside joke. Okay, we're gonna keep saying it because it it upsets some of our friends, and uh, (laughs) you know we just we have to keep saying it. Uh, So sorry to interrupt. Carry on, Trevor. Yeah, it's a bit of an inside joke, but it is also a factual statement usually. Um, but I, I do get, look, this game, I do give props to Drake May. He made, he played mistake free football. He got the ball. He spread the ball around. Uh, what I count, I counted eight receivers with two or more, uh, catches. Uh, what, uh, two, two receivers went over a hundred yards. Uh, like that, this is a very, this is a very, very good game for Drake May. It's a good Feather in his cap that he put up 400, 400 yards on Syracuse. Woohoo! Um, but <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think this is like anything to like UNC fans. If this is what gets you going, I, I I'm sorry. You got you got some hurting coming your way later on this season, but. Furthermore, I, I, while we're on this game, I figure I'm going to take the opportunity to talk a little bit about the Tez Walker situation. One, I think that's why the score is what it was, is because that has been hanging over UNC's head the entire season up to this point. The entire team thinks that Tez Walker has gotten a raw deal. I think he's gotten a raw deal. Pretty much anybody you talk to that is a fan, uh, an announcer, pretty much anyone outside of the NCA uh, transfer committee thinks that Tez Walker got a broad deal on this. Um, the fact that it took him this long to do it. And then on top of that, to say that NC, the NCA came out and said that it was UNC's fault that he, hasn't, he wasn't instated because apparently there was some new information that UNC failed to uh, give to them, and that is what the delay was, which that is for the, the from what I've read, that is not exa- at all the truth. 
Uh, UNC AD has come out and said, no, we have provided everything we had at the outset of this at the time when we had it. And any new information we received, we would we handed over immediately to the NCAA. This is just simply NCAA trying to make themselves look good after making themselves look absolutely terrible and trying to put the focus back on Matt Brown and the UNC uh, football program and athletic department. And I think it's just, it's a bunch of bullshit. NCAA is a bunch of bullshit. Um, if we can figure out a different managing structure for these schools, I would love it because the NCAA seems to only want to flex their muscles on certain certain people, certain programs, and then not do it for others. And it's just, it's very skewed system that they have. And the fact that they held it up because the whole reason why Tez Walker, so just if anyone doesn't know, the whole reason why Tez Walker transferred is that he transferred due to some mental health issues that he wanted to go home. He's from North Carolina. He wanted to leave where he was at up at Kent State and go home. And that's perfectly fine, perfect valid reason. Now, obviously, the NCAA needs documentation and all that stuff like that to be able to waive the transfer transfer um, part of it where he had to wait out a year and allow him to play immediately. But all of that was submitted to the NCAA in August, I believe. So well before the season started, uh, plenty of time for them to make a decision. And they just dragged the foot. Now we're six, what, six weeks into the season, and now we finally have a decision. So I think this is a big weight off of the UNC program, and I think that they were energized to have Tez Walker back in a uniform. And He's been with the team. He just hasn't been able to suit up and be on the field with him. So I think it's, it's given everybody on the team a boost, and I think that had a lot to do with their performance this weekend. Yeah, it, it's good to see him playing him back. I, I do think he's deserved it uh, to be playing the whole season. Uh, I'll, I'll say, too, from, from North Carolina, looking at their schedule, uh, they play Miami next. That That's a game I, – I feel like I don't want to trust North Carolina in this. I, I, don't, I don't trust Miami, especially with Cristobal as coach after what just happened. Uh, they got Virginia, who's horrible. Georgia Tech is horrible. Then they play Campbell. That's an FCS school. Duke. We don't know if uh, Riley Leonard's going to be back. If Riley Leonard's back, that will be a you know a, a tough game for North Carolina because uh, Duke is still a good team. And then Clemson, who is still a talented team. I, I don't know how good they are anymore after you know the Clemson game, and I still think they are good. Uh, how good is the question? And then NC State. That is a rivalry game. NC State's not very good. I'm sorry to tell you, Brendan Armstrong's not a good quarterback. So uh, I don't know what happened with him because he was solid at Virginia. And now he's trash. It's like uh, just like Leary went from North Carolina State to <laughs> Kentucky, and now he's trash. So I, I don't know. Uh, UNC's got everything in front of them. They just got to keep winning. Uh, we're going to jump forward onto the LSU and Mizzou game. And this is one that really good game back and forth, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, it just it just one of those window that window of noon where I kept flipping back between three games. Knew they were all good, and uh, LSU. I've noticed the last two weeks they've started really slow in the first quarter. The the other teams have gotten out to a good lead even into the second. 
Uh, Ole Miss had a good lead on them, and then so did Missouri. But then they start storming back. That offense starts rolling, and you look at the the score on it. Third quarter, I mean, third quarter, uh, LSU outscored the defense, and and then uh, the fourth quarter, LSU put up 22 points. I mean, that's just – I mean, Mizzou, Mizzou just couldn't do anything in, in the fourth quarter. So uh, props to LSU. They're they're doing what they need to do, but their defense still I, they give me concerns, especially early on in the game. It's like they're they're getting punched in the mouth. They're, I mean, the, whoever's game planning against LSU is doing really good, and then the second half adjustments kick in, and uh, they start getting back on track. Except for that oh, Ole Miss game that was a little funky uh, the whole game, but. I don't know, LSU game, it, it was something else. Jane Daniels, he had a, a good game, uh, you know, almost th- uh, 260 in the passing, three touchdowns. He had a really good game on the ground running, 15 carries for 130 yards. Uh, I, I really like Jane Daniels, and uh, neighbors out wide is really good wide receiver for him. I, I think this offense is one that will run with anybody. And uh, on that, the back end of that for Mizzou, Brady Cook had a – he had a strong game, 411 yards passing, but he threw two picks. And you can't do that against uh, you know, a strong offensive team. You give them free points, you know, especially right at the end of the game. They're pick six. Yeah, this is just another uh, case of the Brian Kelly Blues. You know, he's going to have a talented team, but he's going to go nine and three. You can mark it down. That's how he does. That's what he does. He's going to get a top ten recruiting class. And then he's just getting – he's setting up LSU to be Notre Dame 2.0. Three years, they will be the king of the nine and threes, just like Notre Dame was. I just – I like Brian Kelly. He is a good coach, but he's not an elite coach. He's not – he's had opportunities to do it. He's been in the national championship game, and he just chokes it away. He's been in the playoffs, chokes it away. That's what he's known for. It's what he does, what he does best, and he'll continue to do it at LSU. If it were not for Jaden Daniels, LSU is pedestrian. I had to say it. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it, but I had to say it. Because, I mean, they are. They are. Without Jaden Daniels, they, I mean, they're awful. He, he is that team. They have no rushing attack outside of him. They do have a decent wide receiving core. Offensive line is okay at times, but it, at times it's pretty bad as well. Defense seems like they're getting worse and worse every week. You know what I thought was going to be a strong team in the West? I mean, the West is still wide open to an extent, but it's coming down to between Bama LSU. If Bama loses again, that opens it back up to Ole Miss. So, I mean, there's still a lot that could happen in the West. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I like I like Jaden Daniels. I think he he's he's doing what he needs to do. The team needs to help him. They have gotten Logan Diggs going a little bit more on the ground, so that's been a help. Um, but early on, they still lack a rushing attack, and Jaden Daniels on the ground was deadly for him. Uh, so they got the win. Mizzou still a good team. Um, defense got to figure out something to stop that running though. They gave up almost three hundred yards on the ground. Uh, that's that's brutal, absolutely brutal. Uh, last last game of the night that we you know kind of tracked on our top ten was the uh, Fresno State and the Wyoming game, and uh, I I thought I really thought that Fresno State was going to do it with their their ability to pass more, and but Wyoming 
you know, they're just balanced. They're a strong team. They've got a good defense. And they came out and they, they won it. Uh, it was close. It was close at the end there. Uh, but Wyoming had a killer second uh, second quarter. They had 21 points. Fresno State had a lot of penalties. They're, they're like, trying to be Alabama. I don't know. They're eight, eight penalties, 93 yards. Uh, that's, you know, emulate the best. You, you got to be the best, and you got to act like the best. So uh, they're doing what they can to, uh, to try and do that. Uh, but they lost 24-19. They had a really nice onside kick. I thought it was played really well. Um, but, yeah, uh, they, they just couldn't get it done in the end. Yeah, it ruined me. I went with Fresno State. Despite earlier in the episode last week, I was leaning Wyoming. I was going to pick Wyoming until Trevor picked Wyoming. And since Brendan is pretty much out of pick em, between us three, the comeback kid is now gone. He's the gone away kid. <laughs> it's pretty much between me and Trevor. And Trevor was going with all these upsets. And I'm like, well, I've got to pick something different. So I went with Fresno. And Trevor got me on that one. And Fresno, though, I was getting really excited at the end of the game. You know, they got that onside kick. And they threw a pick, didn't they? Then I uh, got deflected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that. Big Hoss intercepted it. Oh, it was so frustrating. I was hoping they was going to yak it out there at the end, but it didn't happen. So I lost sleep. All I could see as I was falling asleep was Trevor staring at me. <laughs> All you could see was my pretty blue eyes. I know. You liked it. You liked it. Get used to it. I loved it. Anyway, well, I thought Wyoming played a really great game, but – it goes back to the kind of the theme of this weekend where I actually thought Wyoming took their foot off the pedal on this game. Granted, only kind of in the fourth quarter where they kind of took it off. But I felt like the intensity of the game kind of dwindled down for the, on the Wyoming side a bit where it allowed Fresno State to start sniffing and get close and potentially come back. Uh, luckily for them, their defense stood up and got that deflection and interception to seal it away. But there was definitely a point where I thought Fresno could definitely maybe pull pull at least to, or get at least get close enough to tie, and then um, you know I don't know. I mean, I'm glad I got the win in it. I mean, like I said before the show started, man, the the second half of games saved me on my pit, absolutely <laughs> saved me. Uh, but <laughs> I digress. It was a really great game to watch, though. I, I, it was a surprisingly good game to watch, Wyoming and Fresno State. So, actually, props to both teams. They both played really well. But Wyoming and the Cow- the Cowboys definitely uh, hooked me up. It's the only Cowboys team I'll be rooting for this year. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a they're a fun team. I, I love Laramie. Uh, I'm a big, big Wyoming fan. Uh, those of you who have never been, you should check it out sometime. Um there, there's a lot of wind and stuff, though, for it, for those of you that are softer when it comes to weather and you, you're you're not man enough to be out there in the in the wind. So I don't know. Uh, either way, we're going to go on and we're going to get out of there. And, you know, we're not going to talk about the Baylor-Texas Tech game because I really don't want to. It's just one of those games that I just – Texas Tech won. I'm still angry about Texas Tech. Baylor, they're trash. I don't care. We're done with it. That's all I'm going to say on it. Gentlemen, if you want something to say – Save it for later, all right? Say it to yourself. I okay, don't. Okay, folks, the only reason oh. he really doesn't want to talk about it because he took another L on this one. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He didn't lose this one. We all get uh, it, right? No, I, 
no, we, we all picked Baylor on this one, and, and Texas Tech got the dub, all right? So, I don't know. I'm mad at him. Maybe – what? Brings it to our picks. Brendan, what was your record this weekend? Start it for everybody. You really yes, got to do this Brendan, to me? why don't you start us off and tell us what yeah, your record was this weekend? Kid. No, I the see. Comeback I, kid I, the... You know, I forgot to track the picks actually, so I don't have a number. Um, oh, is that how that works? I get it. Oh, no, yeah, I'll I add them up for you real quick. Let's no, see. no, yeah, okay. Think, you know I what? Think, I'll just I do it. I think we have it. I, 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 I don't write do down it. much, you but know? I definitely write down Brendan's picks because he's the comeback kid. <laughs> you know, be gracious in victory and defeat. I will be. So, uh, I will yes, it, it was. It was a horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was a horrible week for me. But I'm just trying to make this season a little bit more interesting for when the comeback happens. You know, this this was just a sample size. Uh, I went two and eight. Yes, I did. It, it was it was horrible. Um, it is. It's on record. It's so, on record. Some, some might say it was the worst they've ever seen. It depends on the trade deal you're looking at. But either way, I did go two and eight. Trevor went six and four. Blake went five and five. Um, I also did not. Get my gridlock. So, <laughs> I I, I, gridlock. Uh, let me go back to that one just so we have it all pulled up. I went for Texas State. I had a lot of faith in them. They blew it. Um, Blake picked Purdue because Purdue should have beaten Iowa. We're going to talk about that they game in a minute. Purdue it. blew it. <laughs> Trevor did. He, he picked Wyoming and he won. Now, wait he won a minute, the wait a minute. My count, I have myself at seven and three. So well, hold, on, game, hold on, hold on. I know guys, I we're, we're going to do this live. Let, maybe I miscounted. All right. So I'm going to name off the ones that I have, and you tell me what you have after this, because I want right. I want to make sure we get this right. I have I lost the Maryland Maryland OSU game, the Mizzou. I picked Mizzou. I lost that one, and then I had the Wazoo game that I lost. But I had yeah. every, everything else. I'm pretty sure I picked correctly, which would have been seven games. Baylor. Huh. You lost Baylor. No, I picked Baylor. Baylor yeah, lost. Baylor lost. Ah, oh, that's right. Punch. <laughs> My bad. Don't <laughs> question me, that. man. That caused me and Trevor on that's, the season. That, that's what we call wishful thinking at its finest right there. Hey, that's a... <laughs> Either way, yes, yes. Trevor and Blake are tied 31 and 20 on the season. I'm down in the slums at 26 and 25. Um, Ooh. You know, I'm... Ooh. I, I'm, I'm done talking about this because I'm, I'm starting to get upset. You know, I'm, my, I'm breaking out in the hives. My, my eyes are bulging. Um, discs are, are popping in my bag. I don't know. I'm just saying stupid things now to, to divert attention from my horrible picks. Um, but we are going to go on because there's a couple other games out there that we have to discuss just simply on, on how it ended. Uh, the first one, we mentioned it with the, the, uh, the gridlocks was the Purdue and Iowa. I was I, I was horrible. Let, let's just go ahead and put that out there. Iowa's offense is atrocious. They are horrible on every spectrum. Some okay, they did have 181 rushing yards. I don't care. They went six of 21 passing for 110 yards. At one point, I think they had no completions after 10 passes, and they were leading 10 nothing. I mean, so they they find a way to score on special teams and defense. But when they play Penn State, they get blown out of the water. And they play teams that are, you know, garbage with them. They somehow find a way their defense makes it work. Uh, I just had to bring that up. They Seriously, they were up 10 nothing 
after not completing a pass. That's that's remarkable. Uh, other games though that that we that we watched the Miami game in the blunder at the end of that Mario Cristobal should be fired. They had what thirty five seconds left on the clock, guys, and the other team had no timeouts. Georgia Tech had no timeouts, and they friggin' ran the ball. Third and ten, you're gonna run the ball with thirty five seconds left instead of just taking the knee and letting the clock run out and then hit the punt or whatever, or just say hut. <laughs> Let it run, and then you'll be fine. Like I don't understand why, in God's name, they were doing that. It, it's it's mind-boggling. It really is, and I I really I, I got no words for it. It doesn't make sense. But like I, I said, I put it out on Twitter that it's it was like uh, or X, you know, I for whatever I, I don't care. Uh, it was like NCAA, you know, when you're getting greedy, uh, when you're playing the NCAA 14 or whatever, and you're getting greedy, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to just run it one more time, get pad some stats here. And then you do fumble it. And the NCAA gods destroy your soul and, and ruin your season. Uh, it, that, that seemed like what happened. He was just getting greedy and wanted a couple more yards, and I, I really don't know. But it was bad. They lost the game because of it. Coaching blunder, fireable offense, Uh Maybe even worse than that should happen tomorrow, Crystal. Uh, joking aside there, because I'm not going to say anymore. But either way, uh, USC, Arizona. This is one. I know Blake and I stayed up. Trevor, did you end up falling asleep on it? or? Yeah. <laughs> it, Blake, do you want to you touch on the USC, I'm, Arizona game? I'm the game? old guy that passes out at 11 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, they threw all empanada out there. And then that little turret was just running around. Dude, he was – that little dude was a scallywag. He was all over that field. He was dropping dimes. USC had no answers for little fajita. Dude, he was dropping them. I was so excited. You know, I felt like I was watching the Colorado-Colorado State game again. But much like that game, they let me down in the end. I wasted my whole night that I could have got my – eight hours in instead i get four hours now i'm tired and groggy and grumpy and trevor keeps making me mad because i'm short-tempered all because i stayed up too late to watch a team i wanted to win lose again on the worst two-point conversion call i've ever seen in my entire life when you have a chance to go into the coliseum and take down number nine usd You've thrown it all over them all game. You've got a quarterback that's hot. Your receivers are catching passes. Your offensive line is blocking. Let's toss it left from the two-yard line against the number nine team in the country and lose five yards in the game. Didn't understand the play call. It's one of those things that just leaves you speechless. I wanted to throw my TV through the window when I watched it because I'd gotten into it at that point. Arizona was playing a really good football game. USC had no answer for it. They could not stop them on offense. They was converting third downs. They could, USC couldn't get them off the field. Their biggest problem was they kept giving Caleb Williams too much time with the football. When they was bringing pressure, they was getting sacks. They was getting hurries. He was having, making bad decisions, throwing the ball away. You know, I think their first three, maybe four possessions were punts. And Arizona hopped up 17 to nothing quick. And then they started playing uh, quarters, doing three-man rushes, two-man rushes even at times. 
Keller Williams having 10, 12 seconds in the backfield, it's just a recipe for disaster when you give a guy like that too much time. He's fast. He can beat you with his feet. And he's he's not the most accurate passer, but his running ability, it just helps with the scramble drill in the backfield and with the receivers downfield. Arizona just didn't have that kind of speed to keep up with it. And USC, they lucked out with it. Arizona should have hit their first two-point conversion where he underthrew his receiver. Well, he didn't really underthrow it. It was just it was a lofted pass, and it gave their DB time to get across the field and swat it down. Yeah. Should have been a conversion there. Should have won the game, but, you know, it finished how it finished. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, my God, Arizona. Like, seriously. Oh, they had it. I was really hoping I woke up the next morning because I was super ecstatic with the way Arizona started that game. Like, my goodness. I don't think you could have had a better start to a game than what Arizona did with USC. I mean, I'll tell you what, though. Arizona definitely put USC's defense on notice for the rest of the country. I guarantee you, Oregon and Washington are both chomping at the bit to have their offense go against that defense. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a big problem for USC. It's a liability for USC going forward. I don't think USC's got what it takes to be in the playoff this year. They just don't – they don't have a complete team. They have a quarterback. They have a wide receiver and a running back. That's about all they got. They don't got defense. Their offensive line is not that great. I – as, as all I can say right now is they're ranking it's simply because they haven't lost and they had the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. That's it. Because they haven't really beaten anybody that I – I mean, I don't think they have at least. And I don't think – there's a significant possibility that Sam Hartman cuts uh, – throws dimes on them if their coaching staff allows him to. Um, I think there's a possibility that that happens. But uh, – but, yeah, Arizona dropped the ball in this one. Coaching blunder, bad, bad play call. Um, and hopefully they can recover from that and keep it going because they played a really good game. And I don't that they should be a force to be reckoned with uh, with the rest of the Pac-12. Yeah, it's one, again, that this game came down to that poor defense on, on USC and then Arizona had a really good running game. Uh, Coleman, uh, twenty-two carries for one hundred forty-three yards. He was, and he was—he's a strong runner too. I really liked watching him run. Um, he just—they—they they got into that same mindset of, well, this play was working really good. The toss sweep that they were doing, and it was out in the open field. They were spread out. They—they they were able to get the guards pulling and more room to to maneuver and get the get the play going. When you're down in the red zone, toss is very tough to to get going. Everybody's so tight in. The safeties are up up close. The corners are – and yet they ran that play, and it, it ruined it. And uh, it was just – it was sad to see it end like that. It, as soon as I saw him toss it, my heart sank. I was like, oh, it's over. Uh, I don't know. I, I like Arizona. I like Jed Fish. Fafada Fafita Fajita. I can't remember what his name is. Uh, he's had a killer game. He's a freshman. You know, I, I like one thing I, one I, thing I would say about <laughs> that play call is that it's not a bad, it, the way it was executed was a bad play call, but there are ways to make it work for you. 
like instead of doing it that do like a, a read option to a toss where you have focus focus the D in on the running back and the quarterback, then you can give it to, or like a fullback or whatever, and then you know, toss it out. There's ways to make it work. It was just a horrible execution of a very it God dang it. Uh, I was gonna say pedestrian well, play call, but <laughs> well, the issue with it is, is they had ran that play multiple times throughout the game, and you know it was the same look. You know when they even lined up like that, I already knew what it was. I'm sitting there thinking in my head, I'm like, if they toss this, I swear to God, I'm slamming my face in this dresser, and they did, and I didn't slam my face like your face looks pretty but, good right now, so obviously. Thank you. You're a, you're a demon. You're a demon on earth. But yeah, they. Uh, <clears throat> but I mean, if I knew what it was, I know USC knew what was coming because that, like I said, they get they they gave that particular look multiple times throughout the game, and it was successful. I think he hit two or three of those for ten plus yards, and I think one he took to the house. Pretty good run on it. But uh, you know, same look. It didn't even try to confuse them on that one. Yeah, so either way, uh, USC is going to have some struggles here moving forward. Like Trevor said, Washington, Oregon, uh, hell, even maybe Notre Dame. I, it depends on what Notre Dame team shows up, I guess, And because right now I don't really trust them either. But, yeah, no, Washington, Oregon should be able to, to go all over them, and those games are probably going to end up being like 60-60 to 60, you know, style games because uh, Caleb Williams is – he's – He's crazy on the ground. He he can maneuver like it, it's some it's almost insane to watch him maneuver in the backfield and and to get around some of these tackles. Um, but it might just be who he's playing. Uh, poor tackling teams. I, I'm not sure, but he he is he's fun to watch. Um, even though I don't really care for the guy and his attitude and just I don't know maybe he's changed a little bit. I don't think so. Uh, either way, Arizona should have had it. They blew it. Sucks to suck. Sorry, Arizona. Do better next time, uh, guys. We're we're done with get the, some of the games that we've covered, and you know, obviously, there's a lot of other games out there. If you got, if you guys want to talk about them, hit us up. You know, we'll talk about those games on on social media if you want. But right now, we're gonna start wrapping it up. We're gonna get in, into our uh, hashtag it, kicking it up a notch, player and team of the week. Uh, Blake, Trevor, you guys want to hit on these? Uh, Really, there's a lot of players that could have that could have had it, but we went with one in particular. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll do the team and Blake if you want to take the player. Um, I think uh, we we kind of went back and forth on it a bit, but um, we I think we came to the conclusion that uh, Louisville is going to take the take the team award this week uh, simply because of their performance and that a lot of people were not thinking that they were going to be able to take on Notre Dame and handle them the way they did and have a, from start to finish handle Notre Dame um, where a lot of people, there are a lot of people, there were a lot of people out there, I should say that thought Notre Dame could have been, had a potential to be a playoff team, but uh, Louisville put that to bed pretty quick uh, in this one. So uh, Louisville gets the, gets the team of the week and Blake, why don't you lead us in with the, the player of the week? And the player of the week is going to Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. Lots out performance, took down the Longhorns, looked good doing it. 
Yeah, I mean, he really had an incredible game, uh, Gabriel did. And, you know, we talked about Burton maybe doing it just because he torched that, that Texas A&M defense, uh, maybe won the game for him. Uh, but there was other factors. Milrow did have a good game. Uh, but when it came to Gabriel, I mean, this guy, 23 of 38 passing, uh, not maybe doesn't sound wonderful, but he had 285 passing yards and a touchdown. He kept it clean. But man, he had thirteen or fourteen carries on the ground for 113 yards in another touchdown. That's clutch. He came in clutch multiple times, third downs, uh, scrambles when he needed to. He, he just had a wonderful performance. It was clean, and they they took down Texas and uh, who some wanted number one. Uh, I think they could have been. Um, I still think they're a very good team. So props to him. He did, had a wonderful game, and. Uh, yeah, Louisville too. They they had a they had a great game this this week, and I look forward to seeing what they do the rest of the season. Uh, we're gonna get into final thoughts here, uh, round robin, and then I'll cover a couple of games going into uh, week seven here. So, uh, guys, final thoughts. I just want to speak out to Miami fans. Don't end it. It's not worth it. You know, you're probably gonna lose next week too. So. Don't do it over this game. It was the worst coaching decision I've ever seen in my entire life. A lot of people on Twitter think it was rigged. Uh, They had minus 1,200 on the betting line at that point in the game. And I I would love to see what his response is. I haven't seen if he gave a response to a question about it. I'm sure he will get asked if he hasn't already. But I would love to know what the thought process behind running a play when you could just kneel it out and win the game at that point. I, I just want to know what his answer to that is and why they chose to run the football. Dumbest coaching decision I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see, one, that answer. <laughs> That'd be great to have an answer to that question. And two, I want to see if, Louisville could potentially ride this win all the way to the ACC championship because they, they don't have an easy road to it, but um, this is a good springboard for them. I feel like this would be a great confidence booster. And if they can keep riding it um, with the game that they just put together against Notre Dame, um, I think that they, they could potentially be, they are still a good chance to be the dark horse into the ACC championship game. So I think that's a good possibility for them. Um, and I, and Brendan mentioned it earlier. Is Mizzou, I think, is still a very, very, very good team. And I think that the loss to LSU shouldn't minimize anybody's view of them uh, because I, I really, I'm really still pretty high on the Mizzou Tigers. I was just going to do one thing for one of our listeners really quick. I'm going to do it. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it for Jared. <laughs> I will touch briefly on Florida State. They did win their game against Virginia Tech. Didn't look so good in the first half, but they in the fourth quarter, they really turned it on. They, had a, they, was, they looked pretty good on the ground. Something just doesn't seem like it's clicking with them like it did in week one. And that's like I've alluded to with LSU's defense. When Florida State opened the season and they dominated LSU, 
everybody was very impressed because we're going off of, oh, it's LSU, that SEC defense. But aside from Grambling and Mississippi State, everybody has torched LSU. <clears throat> so that's what I mean when I say I don't view it as as significant of a win as I did in week one. I do still think LSU is a good team. I do think Clemson is still a good team. I just don't believe that they are as good of a team as I thought they were at the time of Florida State beating them after seeing them play some of these other teams. I do still think Florida State is a good football team. I do think they ultimately make the college football playoff. So if they can square off with Louisville, though, I don't I don't know how the division is set up with Louisville and where Florida State is. I don't know if that game could happen or not, but that would be a good one to watch. Yeah, so I mean, I'll hit on uh, the Louisville thing real quick. Uh, looking at their schedule, they have Pittsburgh next. And now again, this is this is Louisville. They they beat NC State thirteen to ten. They blew up Boston College, barely scraped by Indiana. That's not good. Destroyed Murray State, barely got by Georgia Tech. This this is just a team that I I don't think they're that good, and it makes me think that Notre Dame isn't that dang good either, and it, therefore I don't think Ohio State's that good. So I'm I'm hitting everybody here. But when you look see, that's at what I was saying earlier in the episode about so many teams are playing really well one week and then they look like a completely different team the next week. Florida State is a prime example of that. They played really well against LSU, played really poorly against Boston College. They didn't play awful against Clemson. You know, that was a that's a rough environment to go into. <laughs> so I do take that into account. But they also didn't look that great either against Clemson. But then that then you start thinking, well, Clemson's a good football team. But then you see Clemson struggles with everybody. They lost to Duke. They lost to Florida State. They the team in between those games, they did what I think it was like Wofford or some shit. They did beat them pretty good <laughs> handily. But then every other game's been close with them. So Every team this year, just about you can see, you can do it about Oklahoma. They struggle with SMU. They struggle with Cincinnati, but then they beat Texas. Texas, they're the only team in college football up until the Oklahoma game that had fairly handily beat every team they played. Oregon is the other one, but Oregon hasn't really faced a high quality opponent yet. We'll find out who Oregon is on Saturday. Same goes for Washington. We'll find out who Washington is on Saturday. But then when one of them wins in two weeks, one of them may lose again, and then you're going to go back to that game and say, well, how good was Oregon? Well, how good was Washington? Because we just don't know. I've never seen a season like this. We're in week six going into week seven, and we still don't know how good half these teams are because we don't don't know who they play. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. To your your point, what you just said there is I would put – I would almost put – Michigan into that category because as of right now, Michigan along with Texas and along with Oregon and Washington are really the only teams that are leaving no doubt on every game. There's no doubt by the halftime or maybe a little bit after the halftime on what the outcome is going to be. And Washington hasn't looked, didn't look good last week. I don't think, but, um, I still have 
immense amount of confidence in Penix to get the job done. And Oregon has played really great. Texas, I still think, is a great team. Ewers is a really good quarterback. Uh, he proved that even in the OU game. I know he had a few turnovers, but, I mean, the guy the guy still put up great numbers and was accurate the whole game. I think he was like 30 for 37, I think we said. <clears throat> but, yeah, I think I think you can th- throw Michigan into that mix, and mm, th- but that's about it. I think Michigan like, – I know they haven't played the greatest strength of schedule, but and I do take strength of schedule into account. I really do. But you can still watch how a team performs, even if it's against a bad team, and you can still piece together if they're a good program or not. And Michigan, the way they play, they look like a team to be reckoned with. So even though it's not against quality opponents, I truly believe that when they face a quality opponent, and it's they're about to get into the heart of the Big Ten, so you'll start to see this. But the way their offensive line manhandles teams, their their front seven on defense. I mean, to me, they just overpower offensive lines, and the, that secondary swarms to the football. The only thing which I haven't watched Michigan like y'all have, I, I still feel like. I don't see like a bunch of like deep play type things. And I mean, I may be wrong about that, but they're more of a drive down the field, wear you out kind of team. And just if you look historically, those are the teams that win national championships. Bama, you can use them as a prime example. Our flashiest teams, take away the 2021 team or the 2020 team with Mac Jones, the COVID year. Our teams that had the high-powered offenses, Tua, Jalen, they didn't win national championships. They got smoked in national championships. Our teams that was run-based, pass when you need to, game-manager quarterbacks, the McCarran, the Cokers, the McElroys, those were our national championship years. Those were our best teams we had. So I really like Michigan. I said at the beginning of the season, I think it's going to come down to ultimately probably Michigan in Georgia, or in Michigan, Alabama, or Michigan, Texas. I think Michigan's in the national championship again, or for the first time. Yeah, they should, hell, they should have been last year. They they blew it on defense, really, and then obviously the two picks from J.J., but I, I do think Michigan looks like just a, a complete team, and if you know Jim Harbaugh, you know how Michigan plays. The first three games, they're out of conference. They were against weak opponents. They're just going to go out there. They're going to play the most basic offense. That's just what they're going to do. They're not going to go out there and air it out like these other teams that, you know, played Murray State and, you know, score 70 points and then go get waxed by, you know, somebody. That's just not in his in the DNA of the team. That's not the culture of the team. Like Blake said, it's they're going to drive. They're going to control the possession. They're going to control the clock. They're going to get first downs. They're going to play that style. And we do have uh, potential, you know, deep threats. Roman Wilson's very, very fast. Uh, Cornelius Johnson's a solid wide receiver. Outside of that, we've got some younger guys that are working into it, but we play a lot of tight ends too. So it's going to be interesting to see Michigan when they actually do get into more competition. But even these teams that they are playing, they're, they're dominating them from start to finish. And we've seen teams play bad teams 
and give up a lot of points on defense. Michigan's defense is not giving up points. So that that gives me uh, hope for, for the rest of the season for them. And I think what the biggest glaring thing for me with Michigan is, is that majority of the games that they played this year is that pretty much the whole fourth quarter, the second string defense and offense are most of the time are playing. Yeah. So we're still not giving up points even in the fourth quarter with our second stringers who are getting game time experience with against the other first timers from other teams. So, or not first timers, uh, first stringers, sorry. Um, but I, I think that speaks volumes for how they are handling these games. Like they are not looking to blow teams out. They're looking to be efficient, score points, and then we're going to get our starters off the field to keep them healthy. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I am going to cycle back to uh, to the Louisville talk real quick in Florida State just to finish off on that. Louisville does play. They play Pitt and then Duke, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Miami, and can finish with Kentucky in the rivalry game. Uh, so they have the chance. And to, this is another thing with the, the ACC is the best two teams are going to play at the end of the year. Uh, that's a fresh change. Uh, Pac-12 is doing it. Uh, Big Ten is going to go to it next year. Uh, so this is one that if Louisville does run the table, they, they, they'll play Florida state or, you know, if Clemson somehow runs, figures out a way to run the table and Florida state slips up, I don't know what's going to happen in the ACC. Uh, but Louisville has every potential to play Florida state in the, in the ACC title game. And, uh, you know, it, it could happen. It very well could. It just depends. Is this Louisville team going to just keep finding ways to win? And in the end, that's what it matters. That's what matters. You find a way to win, survive in advance, and uh, and you just you play it week by week, man. <laughs> um, so, guys, that that's it for for week seven or week six, excuse me. Uh, obviously, we're gonna have more week seven coverage. And uh, quickly on week seven, we got we got football games uh, on Tuesday, man. It it's it's a glorious time. We've got we've got Louisville, uh, excuse me, Louisiana Tech and Middle Tennessee, Liberty and Jackson Jacksonville State. I think that's going to be a really fun game to watch. Coastal Carolina, App State, that's on Tuesday. Wednesday, you got UTEP and uh, Florida International, Sam Houston uh, State, and New Mexico State. And then on Thursday, we've got West Virginia and Houston, SMU versus East Carolina. Friday, Tulane, Memphis, Fresno State, Utah State, and then Stanford and Colorado. Uh, before we go off into a what looks like a pretty solid week seven. Uh, like I said, we're going to dig into that and get you guys that information. Uh, so, again, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. We appreciate all the, the conversation on, on X. And, uh, you know, we, we, we want all, all that type of conversation. If you got grievances, air them out. We love our followers. We love our listeners. So either way, thank you guys again for listening. We appreciate it. Hit us up. And uh, yeah, you have a good one.